Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today, we are talking about James 4 13 through 5 12 and the steadfast hope in the coming of the Lord. Joining Vanessa and me today are Kay Johnson and Leslie Glass. Very glad to have both of y'all here with me. When I think of the two of y'all, I think about joyful countenance. Uh, I remember sitting with Leslie on the beach down at St. Simon's and just talking about life and just the joy that was there in the everyday things and how much I enjoyed that conversation. And then, Kay, when I see you at church, it's been a while since I've seen you (laughs) face-to-face at church, but I just remember your ability to just look me straight in the eye, focus, concentrate, kindness, engaged. Both of y'all really do have just a tenacious joy that comes from being steadfast in the various trials y'all have. So I'm very glad you're here. I'd love for you both to introduce yourselves and then answer our favorite question of the day, which is, what is your favorite birthday treat? Well, I'm Leslie Glass, and uh, I'm wife to Kevin of 15 years this summer, and we have three kiddos. I'm a stepmom to one. He'll be 20 this summer, and then an incoming high school freshman, my daughter, and um, a second grader who um, they just keep us so busy in the afternoon. So our afternoons uh, are super busy and super loud. Yeah. So I'm really thankful that during the day, it's super quiet <laughs> all day. And um, during the day, I get to do what I love, which is to write and encourage and mentor women. I really um, desire for women to have the most life-giving morning they can have. And so I do that through an online presence, and it brings me a lot of joy. I loved hearing the details about that when you were doing that. Yes, mm-hmm. you do a great job. It's that. so encouraging. Yes. Oh, favorite birthday treat. Yes. So I'm an October birthday, and I really love a birthday. <laughs> and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which I really don't have a strong connection to, except that Panera has a pink ribbon bagel. And so I kind of <laughs> feel like it's for me. And I only have one once a year on my birthday. And I love that little treat. I also really love charcuterie. And I'm pretty snobby about them, so I make my own. And this past year, I had several friends over, and we made a charcuterie as big as my dining room table. And oh my delightful. That is amazing. That's huge. I'm sorry, but what is a pink ribbon bagel? And what makes it, has it a like treat? It has, like, cranberries. It's in the shape of the pink ribbon. Okay. Oh, okay. And it has cranberries um, and, I think, almonds in the bagel. And it's just that sweet, nutty, mm. bagel-y goodness. Mm. <laughs> I love that you, do, like, I treat myself to that once a year. Like yes. it's a real indulgence. <laughs> yes, it is an indulgence. I'm convinced they make it just for me. Uh, I love it. All right, Kay, what about you? Hi, I'm Kay Johnson. I'm a retired from the school system. Um, I've been retired about 12 years. I have been married two and a half years. Um, my husband and I were both widowed, and um, the Lord brought us together. And we have a special needs daughter. I have a special needs daughter that lives with us and goes to Lindell Training Center during the day, a training center for her. And uh, we enjoy her. She fits in her family well. Mm-hmm. Um, my hobbies, I'll tell you, is the Word of God. I just love studying the Word of God. Um, I love to read Christian fiction, nonfiction. Um, I have multiple favorite authors that I like, uh, Paul David Tripp, uh, John Piper, just recently finished Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous a book. It's a good one. Um, in the evenings, I enjoy knitting. That's kind of my wind down. So um, I love knitting. I don't have to look at it. I can look at TV or whatever. So I enjoy doing that. 
Um, my favorite birthday treat is pretty boring. I mean, I can go for pizza any birthday. <laughs> uh, I do love a coconut cake, which Ooh, I probably had only had two on my birthday. So, hint, hint. Uh, if anybody would like to deliver me a coconut cake, that would be May 29th. Okay. So, <laughs> Good to know. File that one away. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be making the coconut cake. I can assure you of that. That's nice and moist. Lots of coconut. <laughs> what do you like to knit? What kind of things? Um, I like to knit. I don't knit for myself, but I like to knit um, baby blankets. If I hear anybody's pregnant, I'll just mm -hmm. start on it right away. Um, blankets for different people, washers, sweaters, scarves, whatever. Mm -hmm. So lots of baby sweaters, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. therapeutic way Enjoy to put it. your fingers to work my mother taught me when i was little mm -hmm. um so i'm from the north and you wore mittens and you didn't go to the store and buy them you made them so every year you had to make a new pair because you grew and they frankly wore out so uh, she said i'm not making them you're gonna learn how to make your own so i learned at a young age and so I just enjoy it so are they like the bernie sanders mittens that are all over Good one, Vanessa. Those, those, those mittens have gotten so much play. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, my favorite birthday treat is C's Candies. It's a um, chocolatier in St. Louis. Everything's in St. Louis, right? All of my favorite yeah. stuff. But they make an amazing ra what is it? rum raisin, rum raisin candy. And you may order it maybe once or twice a year. And uh, it is just absolutely incredible. Rum raisin candy. So, what's that made out of? Like, what's and the? It's got raisins and nuts okay. and uh, just this amazing chocolate. Okay. Um, and they're just Seas is just known for their chocolate. Yeah. And I don't know all the ingredients, but um, it is just it's incredible. Yeah. When you said rum raisin, I was just wondering what bound it together. So yeah. I'm, I don't. Rum. It's not nougat. I'm trying to think what what it would be called, but that amazing rum flavor. With the chocolate, it's just mm -hmm. ah, so good. Yeah, that is good. That's fancy. I, I, I'm so bad. In fact, somebody was teasing me the other day. I, I really don't like to answer favorite questions. And somebody was like, why did you make that our intro? <laughs> because I have, have such a hard time on favorites. It just, just mm -hmm, varies. Mm -hmm. And birthday is totally like that to me. It just depends on what mood I am in on that day. And I will say I like to treat myself on my birthday. I'm a big fan of multiple treats on my birthday. I generally like anything chocolate. I like black licorice, and I love it when somebody makes me dinner and cleans it up. Mm -hmm. So that's those are those are high on my uh, priority mm -hmm. list. Some combination of 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 that, or some type of one of those things. Nice. Yeah. You know, when you think about birthdays, on our birthdays we tend to think back to the year previous, and then we tend to look forward, and oftentimes we solidify in our minds goals or dreams that we hope to see come to fruition, right, in the next year. So what we hope for in the next year often then determines what we choose to do in the present. And in our passage for today, James 4, 13 through 5, 12, James is speaking to his readers about what they are to do in the present in light of the hope that they have for the future. And that's a hope that doesn't spring from their own future goals and dreams, but from the certain and wonderful coming of the Lord. If you're listening and you haven't yet read James 4, 13 through 5, 12, we encourage you to hit the pause button and do so now so that you can join us as we think through the passage. Vanessa, start us off and talk to us about some of the things you saw as you studied through this passage this week. Yeah, I, I think one of the 
first things that the passage holds for us is this notion of how we plan. And mm -hmm. in a time of pandemic, while we're a year in, I think if we've not learned anything else, we've learned that plans change. Mm -hmm. And the necessity of our plans being rooted in the Lord's will. And that ultimately, that is his plans that succeed. And so James says, well, don't arrogantly say what you will do tomorrow. And uh, man, I think that resonates widely in my own heart <laughs> because of the way that I approach planning now versus pre-pandemic. We treat things as though they're tentative. And they always were. Mm. They always were. And so I love that James reminds us of that, that truth to make our plans um, not make our plans and invite the Lord into them, but to seek to understand what his plans are and participate in his. Yeah, absolutely. That's an important distinction. Yes. And you think he's not saying here it's wrong to make plans. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is that it's the arrogant boasting yes. that assumes I will do, I will accomplish, I will get on my own um, according to my own desires or my own thoughts or my own plans or whatever. In that next section, he talks about, he says, come now, you rich, mm -hmm. weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. And that just, I think, living in a particular culture in which, compared to a lot of people in the rest of the world, we are rich. It, it does sort of draw you up and make you think, what? Why? You know, what? what is it about being rich that's wrong? Mm -hmm. And again, it's not that he's saying to be rich is wrong, but he's saying this type of richness mm -hmm. or riches are the type that you have stored up for yourself and mm -hmm. self-indulgence. You've sort of put them in a place where they can't even be used such that they corrode right. and they waste and they go to waste. And they're an indicator, I think James is saying, mm -hmm. of if you have that type, if your riches basically rot in on themselves, mm -hmm. they're an indicator of the judgment that's coming on you, of where your ultimate heart is, of who you belong to, and what you tie yourself to, um, fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter, just this whole idea of building ourselves up at the cost of specifically in this in this particular passage of um, other people. Right, and just really noting what you're saying, that the riches themselves aren't evil, but they often reveal our relationship to them yeah. and the posture of our hearts that... Um, show greed and show um, inequities towards others and uh, lots of other things. Um, but he also later in the passage mentions Job. And so I find that interesting that he's been talking about riches and our relationship to them. And then he mentions the steadfastness of Job. And so Job was an upright man, according to scripture. So a cooperative reading of that would certainly say that riches are not evil, mm -hmm. but it's our relationship to them. And so... Mm -hmm how he takes Job's riches away yes. in order to teach Job who he is mm -hmm. and for Job's good. for the And then he restores those and riches. Restores them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, too, the way that he lays this passage out, he's, his first two paragraphs are, come now you, mm -hmm. which is kind of generic, and it's a you who boast arrogantly. Come now you, who's you, you who store up riches in this harmful way. But then the third paragraph, it's totally different. Be patient, therefore, brothers. And now there's an identity tied to family, tied to the belonging of the Lord. And he's saying here in this passage, instead of being quick to make plans and arrogant in it, be patient and wait. Instead of storing up and fattening your heart, establish your heart in the Lord. And I loved how he answers sort of, or he contrasts the negative with the fullness of the, po the positive and how that comes from the coming of the Lord and the sure hope. 
and the fact that it's the Lord who's compassionate and merciful. I love that, Amber. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I saw that. Another theme that he picks up on is that, like in verse 7, he gets to the coming of the Lord. He'll say the coming of the Lord, verse 7. Then he says the coming of the Lord is at hand in verse 8. The and the judge is standing at the door. So you, you see that building of there is an urgency with which we are to live in light of eternity and in anticipation of this um, in-breaking kingdom and, and so, um, and, or Christ's return. Uh, so um, James is really, he's really showing, well, one, um, we, we talked about him being James the just. He's talking about righteous living here. Your living needs to so um, reflect that this righteous judge is standing at the door. He's yeah. coming. Um, and we are to live in anticipation of that. Absolutely. And Leslie and Kay, that's what y'all are here to help us with today is talk about what it looks like to live in light of these truths. Uh, Kay, you mentioned to me when I first asked you to be a guest on this podcast that James 4.14 has been of particular significance to you. I'm going to read that verse real quickly. It says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Can you tell us, Kay, a little bit about why that verse has been significant for you this past year? That verse, right after you asked me, had been going over in my mind day after day and um, just processing the death of my grandson. Mm -hmm. My grandson had died a little over a month before you asked me uh, of suicide. He took his own life. He was a senior in high school. And... Uh, Scripture really became a raw reality mm -hmm. that day, that he did that. So a month after, we're still grieving pretty significantly. Uh, my son, that very night that he took his life, was actually preparing to preach on that scripture that Sunday. Mm -hmm. So um, it really is a mist. Mm -hmm. um, it really does appear for a little while and is gone. And I looked up the word little in Strong's. Because I wanted to know, what was God thinking? Because sometimes he takes babies, sometimes he takes young children, uh, young adults, uh, which, of course, Daniel took his own life, but uh, he allowed it to happen. Um, and then sometimes seniors. So little in Strong's is brief or short. And so brief and short to the Lord can mean just a few months, a few years, several years mm -hmm. in the grand scope of eternity. Mm -hmm. Well, my daughter and I, her particular, the very next day um, on Facebook, posted that she was overwhelmed and pained and grieved, mm -hmm. but her hope was in the Lord. Her hope was in the Lord. Um, she said, um, we have an anchor for the soul and a hope sure and steadfast. Mm -hmm. And we sorrow not as those who have no hope. Mm -hmm. So... When we have the Holy Spirit, he really can massage us that way. Mm -hmm. uh, we hang him by a thread, but we do have a thread, mm -hmm. a thread to him. And sometimes it's a big rope that might be intertwined three multiple times, and sometimes it is that thread, but he never leaves us or forsakes us. Mm -hmm. So the way we've dealt with it and the way they've dealt with it, not that we haven't shed tears daily mm -hmm. um, for her especially, uh, and then for all of our family, it's been a big hole in our mm -hmm. family. But um, but it will soon not be a hole because we'll be reunited in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
So um, in the grand scheme of things, compared to eternity, it is missed, and our life is missed. So if we think that daily, uh, we think uh, we need, really need to live for the glory of God. And if we can't find it where we're at, look outside. Um, ask God to show it to you. Um, be thankful for what we have, not what we don't have. Because uh, his glory is always evident. He's a faithful, faithful God, and he does what he promises. That's a tender thing to share, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Vanessa and Leslie, um, what are some of the things that y'all have learned this week as you've contemplated through this particular study, the brevity of life? I think uh, what just really jumped out to me was make today matter. Um, in 415, it says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So I shared Kay's desire to know what the words mean and looked up live because that's the word that really stood out to me. And what I found was enjoy real life and live it to the full and live it in vigor. And my favorite was to be active and efficacious. And I just feel like that, you know, we might be a mist, but we're the, the mist is here. Like we're, we're among the mist and it has not faded yet. And so until it fades, we are to live. And I am guilty, I think sometimes just um, introverted by nature of wanting to kind of stay within my parameters. And the Lord has really used this verse, in particular, some very um, specific circumstances this past weekend to say, like, you are to live and make it beautiful and make it for me. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, just from both of you. Okay, thank you so much for that um, very intimate sharing. And Leslie, I, I think I'm, I'm echoing what you're saying here in, in that, especially as my children are getting older, um, my youngest now is... Um, a junior in high school and the other two are in college. And so we're, we're staring down that emptiness mm -hmm. pretty hard. And um, those little moments, I, I find myself saying, okay, this is the last time she'll do this. And this is the last time she'll do this here and et cetera, et cetera. But recognizing the value in those little moments and capitalizing on the dinner conversation, capitalizing on when she wants to sit and snuggle and watch a movie, um, on walks together because I'm reading whatever she's reading in class. And so we're doing that to stay connected. And so um, just the everyday walking around life that we do together and offering that up to the Lord and um, receiving his sweetness um, in that. So part of the enjoying life, I, I consider last season, we talked about Ecclesiastes and, and living life to the full and also about the relationship with uh, our hearts and what we do and, and with our wealth and money as a part of uh, enjoying God's good creation. So let's talk a little bit about this theme that James picks up on, on riches. Um, what, what kind of riches do we tend to hoard? And how has this passage challenged you to live differently with regard to your wealth? Well, I really feel like when I think of riches, they kind of fell in three buckets for me, the riches that are the resources that that we have with our time, with our stuff, and then with our money. And I feel like the greatest rub that I have found as I've looked into this mirror of God's word um, this week has really been money. And um, it's kind of been a recurring theme for me over the course of the last couple of months. So when I got the question in my inbox, I was like, hmm, feeling that finger of the Lord. And I texted it real quick to a friend who's walked through this process with me. <laughs> And she kind of laughed and was like, the Lord will not let you get up. It is so funny. Mm -hmm. um, not funny, haha, -ha, but just mm -hmm. it's so neat to, mm -hmm. to see him work. 
So interestingly enough, as I've processed this relationship that I have with money, my parents are moving. They're they're moving from the home that they've been in for 20 plus years. So I'm having to go back through all of my childhood things and either throw away, keep, whatever. And in the midst of this, I found my little middle school cash box. So mm. it's purple and it has a little combination front and a little handle and a coin slit in the top. And I don't know how I knew the combination, but it opened. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it opened and inside were all the notes, you know, that you pass in middle school, the original, the original text message, you know, check yes or no. But there was also in there a Ziploc bag. And in the Ziploc bag were three $50 bills and three $20 bills and several silver dollars. And I just kind of took a deep breath and thought, this is what I do. And what I do is instead of enjoying the gifts that were given, because Mm. I'm quite sure those were birthday gifts, Mm -hmm. Christmas gifts. I do the same thing today. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you where I hide them. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I I would rather control it than enjoy the gift. And Mm -hmm. so it's really this scripture has helped me see and helped God say to me, I am not a God of lack. (laughs) I am going to show up and I'm going to be faithful and you don't have to control it, but please do enjoy what I give you. So that processing through that has been really, really rich in a different term for me. That's really good. It just he's, it made me think of how he, he talks about it's corroded, and you think about that little cash mm-hmm. box and that money in there. How eventually, you know, it would corrode because it's not been put to use to yes. enjoy, to bless mm-hmm. others, to whatever. That's yes. a great illustration. Yes, and had and I would never have known it was there. I mean, you know, if we hadn't gone through this process, you know, it sat there long enough that I wouldn't have known. My hoarding's a little bit different. Um, I would collect things. Women are really good at um, either having a lot of shoes, a lot of purses, clothing, jewelry. Um, They want to buy all these toys for their kids. So I have fallen into the category of maybe purses or sandals, but I only allow myself to have so many and I just give them away because I don't want to hoard them. But I asked my husband, I said, do you think that I hoard anything? And on my mind was the same thing he said. I do hoard uh, visual aids for children. I have tubs of them, um, like your stick horses for the uh, wise men. And I have my grandmother's old jewelry for Zacchaeus so I can deck myself up and look like a rich man. And so (laughs) I have a lot of those things, puppets and uh, animals for the story of Noah. So I've just always, I, I'm on the lookout always for things. So I, you could say I am a hoarder. One thing that stopped me from um, being a hoarder, not stopped me, um, stopped tempting me as much, is I read an article in a book, is When is Enough Enough? Mm. And Paul David Tripp said, the struggle with our... Um, with our enough is that it tends to expand. And when it does, we never seem to have enough. Mm -hmm. And the section that he wrote on when is enough enough is may the things of this earth grow um, strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And God really used that. And that was over two years ago that I read that. And he'll bring it to the forefront when I seem to think, that, oh, that would be neat. I really need it. Well, do I really? I already have five of them. Mm-hmm. So um, I just uh, try to do that. And he used the example of David with all the women and 
whatnot. And yeah, he went after Bathsheba. He had enough, and we have enough. We are more than blessed. And uh, he's a very um, exceedingly supplying God to our needs, and we have everything we need and more. Well, and when you put it that way, too, of just the fact that we have everything we need more, you think about even hoarding something as small as visual aids. And you said that you retired from teaching 12 years ago, and I imagine that you were great with visual aids. You know, we hold on to things that represent something that we loved or something that we were good at or something that we hope to attain later, you know, and then we can rest our confidence in those things in the thought of letting them go means that nobody or nothing else can provide that instead of thinking, no, the Lord is rich in all of the things that he gives to us, including who he makes us to be apart from anything that we own. And it allows us to open our hands. And I think James, if we're we're looking at the passage, um, we see that our hoarding is not inconsequential because there is those who have plenty, but then there are also those who have lack. And the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, he, he mentioned. Um, I, I'm reminded just of a, a quick story. My husband, when we first got married, he, we had moved to St. Louis. And uh, he's trained in technology, and that's what he does right now. He still does that to this day. But at that point, he didn't have a job yet in that. And so when we were newly married, he delivered pizzas because he was determined to support and care for our family. It's just the two of us. And I was working at that time. We were doing okay, but he wanted to care for um, our family, and he he talks about delivering pizzas to this house that was like this multi-million dollar house, and they waited for uh, him to count back 86 cents change. Mm-hmm. And it completely changed how we interact with people in the service industry, because if the if the service is horrible, we still tip well. And that's because of him and what he experienced, because had our lives have our, our livelihood been dependent on that? It, it, it happened to not be, but had it been, yeah. we would have been really in a bad spot. And so just mm-hmm. recognizing that our hoarding and our keeping things to ourselves and not being free in our giving is not inconsequential. In contrast, then, to those who hoard, keep their hands closed, or arrogantly boast about their plans, store up riches for themselves, James speaks of brothers and sisters in the Lord, having a hope in which they can establish their hearts and for which they can wait in sure expectation. Who has been an example to y'all in the way that they have remained steadfast in the midst of suffering? And what about them has been an encouragement to you? My daughters have been an encouragement to me. Um, this The generation now that are standing firm on the Lord is such an encouragement to me. I'm on the other side of that. You have people, their children, that are coming up on the other side of that. And I just see my daughter standing fast to the Word of God, especially my daughter that lost her 16-year-old, but also my other children who really face daily struggles in the scheme of life. And I am I am encouraged to just stay in the Word and be an example, but pull from them. I think we pull from each other. So they've been a blessing. And just waiting for the Lord to come and just how he extends mercy, grace, comfort, peace. His attributes are non-ending. And if we just pick one out and meditate on it all day long, it really does sustain us in our suffering. I would say that uh, Susie Lovecamp stands out to me as soon as I read this question. And she's been, I think, a um, 
participating in the podcast, but just a long-term friend from this church who has um, certainly dealt with her fair share of suffering. But no matter what her suffering is, which angle it's coming from, I just feel like she has this really tenacious clinging to um, the hope of heaven and to God's promises. And she makes that really palpable. You can feel, excuse me, you can feel it. And um, she's caused me to suffer in a better way um, through our friendship. She's caused me to endure differently. Several years ago, I sent her a text and her response back to me was, I'm trusting with you and for you. And I've never forgotten it. Um, I've used it repeatedly in my head. I've used it with other friends um, because it just reminds us that as believers, we suffer differently. We suffer um, knowing that we're not alone and that there's a purpose to our suffering and that we're suffering with a hope that cannot be quenched. And I just am grateful for a friendship. That's the beauty of a community of believers to remember that we're in it together and that um, God really has separated us and given us a hope that's worth clinging to. And for those of you who don't know Susie, she is an amazing friend to all of us here and Susie has a special needs daughter and she models for us just how to love so incredibly well we all learn from Susie don't we yes. absolutely yep when you said that I was thinking about her mother's heart mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking about an illustration uh, about the coming of the Lord last night I was late to pick up my son from um, soccer practice and it was getting dark and I texted one mom and said hey will you tell him I'm coming and she texted back. She said, "Oh my gosh, I forgot. Will you tell mine I'm coming?" You know. And so she was like, "I was like, whatever." And afterwards, we were laughing about it. They were just contentedly running around. They, they didn't care. You know, they knew we were coming to pick them up essentially. And she said, "I just had this fear that you know, just this thought. My mother's heart had this picture of him standing out in the middle of the field, forlorn. They've turned all the lights off. It's cold. Nobody's come for me. Why right? do we do that to ourselves? Right, right, right. And I was thinking this morning, I was like, you know, that's what is so wonderful about the coming of the Lord is that it is with the Father's heart mm-hmm. that he comes for us. He's not going to let the lights be turned out. He's mm-hmm. not going to leave us standing alone. We're not going to be out in the dark. Mm-hmm. He's come for us. His spirit abides in us. And he's coming back for us to take us home. Amen. Amen. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you mulch the garden or fold your clothes. Patricia Sims and Julie Hanna will be joining us to talk about James 5 and 13 through 20 and what it means to trust God in prayer. Hope you'll join us. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings when comforts are declining he grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the 